Hi everyone, welcome to Eclipse to Heroes Podcast. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. And we're a couple of old school Heroes fangirls who are rewatching the show so we can defend its honor. <laughs> uh, this week we are discussing Season 1, Episode 16, Unexpected. But first, do we have any news to talk about, Rachel? We do. We do. Yay! We mentioned Homecom last week, and we have the guest list now. At least the guest list for the moment. Who knows yeah. if there'll be another last minute edition, but it is, it's going to be like a men of heroes panel because that's what we've got. We've got all guys. <laughs> yeah. No joke. So we've got Adrian Pazdar. Woo. David Anders. Woo. Greg Grumberg. Woo. Jack Coleman. Woo. And Jimmy John Louis. Woo. So those are our heroes panelists. From yeah. Con. Yeah. And uh, that takes place May 16th and May 17th? Yeah, the 16th and 17th. We're recording this on Tuesday the 12th. Mm-hmm. And this should be up on the Friday before. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to it on Friday, it should be t- uh, tomorrow and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still plenty of time to subscribe and, and get in on that. Because... Yes. This is really cool. They, I mean, I know that there are, like live conventions not home conventions where sometimes two of the people who are on the show happen to be there but this is like a planned heroes reunion kind of thing and that's exciting mm-hmm. i think that it's not too surprising that it would be those um no. five no no not shocking at all not surprising uh the it's a good group yes it is a good group two of, two of, two of your favorite people two of your favorite people though <laughs> three of my favorite people what are we talking about well, yeah, but like for season one, though. Oh, for season one, yes. We're just going to pretend David Anderson exists. Right yeah, <laughs> so I was just saying, like, we don't know him yet. Who is she? Who is she? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who she? Yeah. All right. Um, no, no, uh, no. Three, three of three of Rachel's favorite people. Yes, and uh... you're going to be sick of us talking about David Anderson season two. You're going to be sick of it because I like him a lot too. <laughs> I was going to say some more about HomeCon real quick and keep <laughs> um, From what I understand on Twitch, they're going to be, it'll probably be like from like, I don't know, a certain amount of hours and they're going to replay that day again right after it. So if you miss it the first time, you'll still have a second chance without subscribing. And then, yeah, I think if you pay the like the $5 subscription tier on Twitch, you can just watch the VOD whenever. If you have the $5, you may as well just chuck it at that because it's going to a good cause and you don't want to miss this. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about it. I'm sure on the next episode. Rachel gets to see it. I don't. I I have to work like a schmo. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely all about that that uh, VOD access later on because that's yeah. going to be what I do the minute I get home, whichever day that they end up airing it on. Yeah, so we, we don't, don't know what day it's going to be. Mm-hmm. There's no actual schedule for the panels yet. No, no. that probably won't be there- until Friday. Yeah, there probably will be when we post this, but not right now. I don't think there's any other new news. Not that I can think of, no. Just yeah. home, just HomeCon. HomeCon! Heroes Reunion slash the Men of Heroes panel. <laughs> I like how you're calling it that. They, they called it that. Did they? Someone put up a thing that was like the Men of Heroes panel. I don't remember oh, who it was. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was just you doing, you doing that. No, no, no. Oh, well, geez. They called it that. I don't remember if it was Homecon that called it that or, like, one of the Heroes guys who retweeted it or posted about it. 
don't well, remember heck. which one. If you look all at right. their Instagram, cool. like, all of their little guest announcements were formatted to go on Instagram so you could look up and see, like, this picture that it builds. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. And, and and even if, you know, for some reason you're listening to us and Heroes isn't your thing, okay, but um, they, they have a, a really great um, selection of guests in, in their other panels. The Orphan Black panel is going to be sick. They've got, like, everyone you would want, basically. Like, Yep. Yeah. Because Jordan's going to be there, too. I didn't Who's know he was there? doing it. Jordan Kavaris. Mm. There you go. So it's uh, Tatiana, Jordan, Christian, and uh, Ari Millen. Because they're doing the table read on Sunday on their Facebook. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be cool. I hope they YouTube that or something, because I want to be able to watch that. They're doing two episodes, I think. Yes. Because that'll be yeah. like a two-hour table read, so you know. Oh, it'll be fun to actually watch, like, Tatiana, like, go into all the things without the makeup and, like, the costuming and stuff. Oh, she's mm-hmm. so talented. Welcome to Eclipse, the Tatiana Maslany <laughs> Girl podcast. Like, uh, man, there's a lot of characters on Orphan Black. Wait a minute, most of them are played by the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, that can't all be who's at the panel. I'm like, yes, yes, it can, though. <laughs> mm-hmm, it is. Cool stuff. Um, yeah, so look forward to HomeCon. We, we both are. But for right now, let's let's get into this week. Let's get into the episode, Unexpected. Let's, let's kick it. things. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Let's, let's dive on in. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, let's kick things off with Hero and Ando still in Vegas, still fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just got back to Vegas, but yeah. I know, but it's like you were saying last week where you were like, I thought this Hope thing was one episode, and then this happened this week, and I was like, I wish it was. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, Rachel, why don't you fill us in on Hero and Ando? I shall. Uh, mm. We pick back up with Hero in the closet, like the way we <laughs> left him, and uh, with Gustafson pointing his gun at him. And we find out that Gustafson is part of the State Gaming Commission, and he's looking for both Hope and the suitcase. And he and Hero have a little argument about it, and he's like, I'm, you just tell me where they are, I'll go alone. And he's like, no. You take me with you or she gets away, pal. So he takes him with him. And in the car, they have an argument about the worth of a partner. <laughs> and Gustafson is pretty much like, I'm a lone wolf. You, partners only drag you down. <laughs> and Hero's like, no, they keep you honest and keep you on track. And then Gustafson's like, well, it wasn't all this whole thing. I'm sure it was your fucking partner's idea. This whole suitcase shenanigan. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And uh, Gustafson's also like, you know, you have a partner, all you get is blood on your hands. That's just one more person for you to worry about. And uh, we then go see Ando and Hope. And Ando, who's still completely oblivious to the fact that there's something wrong, is taking Hope to a bus station. He's like, I thought we were going to your mother's. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't don't worry about it. (laughs) And he's like, tries to help her bring uh, her bag out of the back of the car. And in their slight little tussle with it, he rips it open and we find out what was in her bag. And it is full of poker chips. Presumably, like, forged poker chips, I would assume. Mm-hmm. So, it's full of poker chips. And for Ando trying to, you know, be nice and help get this bag, he gets a gun pointed at his face. And shortly after that, Gustafson and Hero pull up <laughs> and all hell breaks loose. Hope and Gustafson both start firing at each other, and Ando gets shot in the kerfuffle, like in the arm, and Hero and Ando both go and hide in the bus compartment, like where the suitcases go, and when it quiets down, Hope walks over to them, and is ready to kill them both, and actually fires, 
But Hero has his eyes closed and managed to use his power to not only stop the bullet, but push it back into the gun. Yeah. However, Hero didn't get to see it because both Hero and Andal's eyes were closed. So they just both assumed that the gun misfired. Japanese people, very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So afterwards, Andal's got his arm in a sling and he's like, okay, you'll have to drive because my arm's kind of messed up right now. And Hero's like, no, no, you always drive, which I'm like, Hero, come on. (laughs) Way to be a dick about it. But he tells Ando he has to go home. That this little incident where he almost lost him, like, he can't put Ando in danger. Ando doesn't have a power. This is Hero's destiny, not Ando's. And Ando's arguing with him about it, but eventually he relents. Because Hero's like, life is not a comic book. And he doesn't know (laughs) what he'd do if he lost Ando. So Hero leaves Ando, and he goes... To go get on a bus to go back to Vegas to finish his journey to go get the sword, to get the Takezo Kensei sword. And guess who's driving the bus? Stanley. <laughs> we get a Stanley cameo in Heroes. Before it was cool. Yes. And that's pretty much the end of Hero and Ando for this week. They didn't have very much in the episode. <laughs> Again, that's why I was like last week, I'm like, I swear the Hope stuff was like a one episode thing. <laughs> so do you have anything to add about Hero? And Keisha? Well, I don't know. I guess like my only thing is, like I said, I wish it was only one episode because it feels just very stretched and fillery at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just like more things that are meant to keep them from being where they need to be because of how long the season has to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I feel like Heroes in particular in like season one runs into the whole thing of, and, and I'll I'll proclaim this to my grave. That no show needs to be more than maybe 12 episodes long in a season. Maybe. Um, which is why the the splitting of the volumes later helps a lot more with this type of storytelling. A lot of stuff right now, it feels like stretch, stretch, stretch. And Hero and Ando, I think, really fall into that. Because it's like, haven't we already heard this argument before about like whether or not Ando should be around and if it's dangerous? And I feel like we've already done this. But, you know, he did get shot, so that did bring an added element to it. He got clipped. So it makes sense, you know, that they would have this argument come up again and that this time it'd be like, no, really, Ando, like you need to go and, and for it to be kind of agreed upon, at least for now. And for Hero to try to figure out his quest on his own, because, you know, I think it's funny how he's like, life isn't a comic book. But like, yeah, but this show is <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it is. But um, and, and back to the Stan Lee thing, uh, I have to mention something that is relevant to this because uh it's funny that Stanley had a cameo in Heroes because the only time I ever got close to meeting him was uh, in line for a Heroes panel at Comic-Con. He walked right by our line. <laughs> mm. So I had a Stanley cameo in my own life. Because <laughs> his panel, they, he it was a panel for like uh, one of the video games? Uh, it was something like that, I think. Yeah. And yeah, that was like before the Heroes panel. Yeah, we were all sitting there. So yeah, we sat through that panel and then one after that and then the heroes panel. <laughs> well, like I was uh I was in line mm-hmm. and he and his people walked right by our line. Mm-hmm. And some people noticed and some people didn't. Because again, you gotta think, um Stanley was always big, obviously, and especially in places like comic conventions, but he didn't have the huge crossover mass appeal uh that he does now. May he rest in peace. Um because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what they did, making mm-hmm. it an event every time he showed up in a movie. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool that Heroes got in on that really early. Yeah. 
like they love their nerdy guest stars. They do. They knew what was up. Oh, you reminded me of something. Oh yeah, because you were talking about the uh, like the episode length. Because mm-hmm. that was like fairly new at the time. I don't even know if Lost had made their thing like we're not doing more than this many episodes yet. Yeah, no, Lost suffers for it too. They're both like seeing that like episodes of this uh, that shows of this format really mm-hmm. need to have um, shorter seasons so they can. Have yeah, they need stories. to be a lot tighter. Yeah, exactly, a lot tighter. We're like at the very beginning of that. <laughs> Which some things are still struggling with, even today. Uh, Very true. I know a common complaint with the, sadly, no more uh, Netflix TV shows for Marvel were that they went on too long every season. Mm. Uh, That was a big problem. Uh, Most of them could have been wrapped up in like six, seven episode seasons. And they went to 12 or 13 because that's the new standard. And a lot of them, you could feel them spinning their wheels. So it just sort of depends on the show and the circumstances. But I like that that's more of a conversation people are having now where they're like, okay, you don't need to have 25 episodes to make a whole season of something. That doesn't have to be the standard anymore. And I, and I think that the popularization of uh, heavily mythologized shows like this and Lost and like Fringe to a degree um, probably helped really ease that along. Yes. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, the ratings, too, like, you can actually watch, you know, some, you just pick a show and, you know, it comes back from its break and people are all excited. And, yeah, maybe it'll have less viewers than it did last year, but that's pretty common. You know, people lose interest or don't know it's coming back. But you can watch, especially when you have a season that's so long, the drop-off is, it, I feel it's much sharper compared to the beginning of a season to the end of a season when the seasons are too long. And I feel like Heroes really could have benefited from having shorter seasons. No, I agree. But it was their first season, so, you know, they, they It wasn't learn. the norm. It yeah, wasn't no, norm and it wasn't. Time. Not at all. So, <laughs> that's why I'm, like, kind of annoyed about the Hero Ando storyline this week, but also slightly forgiving of it. Because yes. it's like, okay, it has some good forward motion in that, like, Ando actually does get hurt. So it's like, okay, this is a good point. This would be a good time to have this discussion. Uh, plus it leads to Hero getting to do some cool stuff on his own that he needs to be able to do to become the person that we saw in the future. And spoiler alert, mm. we won't know any of these, uh, for a lot of these characters, we won't see them again for two weeks. Because yep. next week, we focus on one storyline alone the whole episode. That'll, that's going to be fun to talk about. That's such a departure for the show, and it's still one of the most highly regarded episodes. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So, But that's next week. Yeah. Back to this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Keisha, uh, you know, there's a crazy road trip happening right now with like some guy named Zane Taylor and Mohinder Suresh. So why don't you tell us what's happening there? Dr. Mohinder Suresh. Um, <laughs> My apologies. I, I, just, I, just, I just like being that asshole. It's fun. Um, <laughs> no. Um, he didn't go to. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> okay. The road trip. In Bozeman, Montana, is a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, we're actually going to get into in this and other events with these two characters in a separate episode. What? We're doing a painting of the future. Future, future this week. And it's going to be all about Mohinder and Zyler. And so tune into that because not only do they have a lot of fun interactions throughout the show, but they are the reason that this person and I on the other microphone know each other, arguably. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, you know, 
because I, I believe in fate, Rachel and Karma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because no, um, that fucking line. Oh, I, I I floated away from the couch when he said that. <laughs> I did. Oh, it's such a good line. Who wrote this episode? Um, was it Jeff? Let me look. Jeff Loeb was a totally a little Mylar guy, so... I, well, Beeman directed it, I know that. Greg Beeman, for those of you who don't know. One of the regular directors on Heroes, who did some of the coolest episodes. Written by Jeff Loeb. Hey! He's a bud! He's such a bud for, for us Mylar people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... So they pull up in Bozeman, Montana, and they get out of the car, and <clears throat> Zane is really thankful that Mohinder let him come along on this road trip with him. And Mohinder's like, hey man, I'm happy for the company. I've been a long, boring road alone. And uh, <laughs> and Zane's just like, well, you know, I believe in fate, Mohinder, and, and Carmen. I'm, I'm not just saying that because you're Indian, which is a legendary line. A legendary line. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way that it's read, too, is perfect. Um, but he talks about how you know, he's excited to get to come and meet more people like him. And Mohinder's like, yeah, well, this isn't entirely, you know, altruistic on my part. These people are going to be really skeptical. And you're right. I needed someone with me who can just show them and put them at ease that, you know, there are other people out there like them. And I'm not here for any, you know, hostile purpose. So they go into a, uh, a shop. And they're looking for a Dale Smither, and she is a mechanic, and she's working, and she has earbuds in, and it's blaring rap music. Like, you can hear them before you even show up. That's how loud it is. And that's really loud. If you remember those old um, earbuds that came with, like, iPods, you had to have that stuff really loud so it could be heard to that level. I had a friend who regularly listened to his music that loud outside of his earbuds, and I was like, you're gonna go deaf. Um, <laughs> because, like, that's, it's really loud. Um... Anyway, so they come upon this scene, and they're like, hello, you know, trying to get her attention. And, uh, you know, she pops out her earbud, and she's like, oh, sorry, it's the only thing I found that could drown out the, can I help you? You know, she's just, like, about to just get right into it. And Mohinder explains who he is, and this is his friend Zane, and he's here because he tried to get a hold of her um, about the fact that, you know, she's on the list, and she's immediately suspicious, which is, you know, good for her. Good for her. Points for her, honestly. And she's like, well, how'd you find me in all this? And he explains that she gave blood 11 years ago and has signed a consent form to have a sample of it donated to the Human Genome Project. And that's how he's finding a lot of people. And so he's like, I, you know, think you might have, you know, something about you. And, and she, she's immediately just like, uh, I don't want to... I don't want to tell these strangers nothing. And so Zane steps up to the plate and uh, he shows her that, hey, he can do a thing too. It's totally okay to let her guard down. And he makes a big show of, of displaying Zane's power, not Siler's. Well, I guess it is his now. Um, but he... I love the note that you said when you're like, he could have just did the jar. He didn't have to, he didn't have to do the wrench because that's true. Um, he empties out a jar that has like a bunch of like nails and stuff in it. And he takes a wrench, he puts it in the jar and he 
you know, melts it, and destabilizes it, it turns into like a goo. And she, I love that her response is just like, that was my best friend. <laughs> she, like, she's, she's stunned and amazed, but also like, damn, that was, I liked that. How dare. <laughs> so we find out that Dale has enhanced hearing and that's why she had the earbuds in because she finds that there's not a lot that can drown it out, uh, but rap music played at really high volumes can. So she doesn't like the, you know, the music at all, but she finds it's very useful to her. And they're kind of like, oh, that must be, that must be terrible. You know, that sounds painful and all that. And she's like, are you kidding me? This is the best thing that ever happened to me. She, again, is excited. It's like we're going through levels. You know, like we had, we start at like our base being of like a Brian Davis where he's like, I don't want it. I'm scared of it. Nope. And then you have like the real Zane Taylor who seemed to be cool with it, but was nervous. And now you've got Dale Smither who has learned to control it, uh, knows how to make it work for her. And likes it and doesn't want anyone to take it away from her because it makes her feel special. She even says she feels like she feels like she's Superman. She can hear, you know, rain coming from 40 miles away. She can hear everything, including, you know, when people's mood shift, like the tiniest changes in a heartbeat. And when she says that, she notes that Siler, his heart's beating a little faster and she calls him on it right there in front of Mohinder. And she's like, you know, you nervous about something? And he's like, oh, no, I'm just I'm just excited, you know, to meet, meet someone like you. And I love how he's just like, shit, you know, she she's she's calling me on this right in front of my hinder. That's not good. That's not going to help my whole thing. Um, but it's great because, yeah, she's very forthright about liking her power. And she says, if you've come to take it from me, you're going to have a hell of a fight on your hands. Well, anyways, um, so... <laughs> So, the interesting thing about this is the way I read the scene this time is this really gives Siler a heads up that he needs to be very careful if he wants this ability, and obviously he does because he's very greedy, and that their window is very short for him to act within because Mohinder is like, hey, I just need to talk to you. It's really, it's just a couple questions, really. It's nothing invasive. And she doesn't really want to do it. And, and he's like, can we come back tomorrow? And she just kind of noncommittally is like, yeah, okay. But... You get the sense that it wasn't going to go very well the next day, maybe? There was too much on the line for, for you know, that chance to be taken. So it kind of makes sense that Siler does what he does, but it's also really stupid of him as well. So later on, we see Siler and Mohinder, and they're at their little motel where they're staying in Bozeman. And he's talking about his research and how part of it means working on an inhibitor because if he can figure out what this is and how it works, then he can get rid of it. If he has to with people whose uh, you know abilities are too dangerous so that they can't control them, obviously that scares the crap out of Siler because <laughs> that's, that's all he does is abuse his abilities. And if someone like the company had an inhibitor, he'd be screwed. He'd never know power again and he can't have that, not, not after coming this far and doing what he's done. Um, so they have this little moment where they talk about it and <laughs> I, I feel like his offense at Mohinder saying that for some people this is bad and he's going to find a way to get rid of it for them. It makes him kind of step up to being just a real piece of shit <laughs> and, uh, bragging about his accomplishments right in Mohinder's face when he talks about this, all oh, this, this Siler character everyone keeps mentioning, ooh, this dangerous bad man. Uh, the man who killed Mohinder's father, just right in his face. 
just like, oh, tell me all about what happened. Like, oh, he's so voyeuristic. And uh, he does the whole thing he did with Chandra, where he does the creepy speech about how it's their destiny to find everyone together. And it's like, oh, God, you're, you're just the worst. You're just the worst. <laughs> like, you like you know, we know that's the same thing he said to Chandra. And he knows he's getting off on saying it to his son, who has no fucking idea the kind of person he's with. But what happens later is, as I said before, Siler's too greedy. And he decides, I got to have that power because I want to feel like Superman, too, I guess. Um, so he goes about confronting Dale and if you listen to our bonus episode, we actually talk in detail about that scene in particular. And he's got that really great line about when she's like, the sound in your heart, what is it? And he's like, murder, you know, all extra. And um, the next day they go to visit Dale's uh, shop again. And, you know, everything's going fine except for, oh, God, Zane has such a headache this morning. Oh, everything's really just really zapping him real good. Because they're, you know, they've got, like, music in the car, and he's just, like, you can tell he's just, like, uncomfortable and tense. And they show up, and Mohinder's like, Dale? And, you know, he goes and he does the thing. He finds her horribly, you know, murdered body. And he immediately, he leaves the shop, he throws up, which is the right response. (laughs) And, uh, I see, I love that, like, Zane, Siler as Zane, he was just like, oh, no, but he didn't go as far as, like, Mohinder did with his natural response, you know? Like, Mohinder was shocked and appalled because he, you know, not seen that before, so bleh. But Zane was like, yeah, he was freaked out, but he wasn't as freaked out as he should have been. I feel like that's really uh, played against him later on in Mohinder's thoughts. But anyways, so he's like, oh, she's been murdered. Siler, he found us. And there's this great moment where uh, Zach... Uh, has um, Siler as Zane look around like what Siler where he's here like oh it's so <laughs> oh. it's it's so fucking extra I love it he's just like oh no he's here the bad man um, but yeah it's great when he when he um, comes up to Dale's body just gives this little smirk but immediately uh, hears Mohinder calling nine one one because the sound of him hitting the buttons on his phone is just like absolutely excruciating to him. And it's like, you dumb, dumb, dumb bitch, you chose a power that's really hard to hide and would make you potentially vulnerable. And you're going to pay for all that hubris now and later. Uh, But anyway, he convinces Mohinder they can't call 911 because what would they do? Immediately suspect the two out-of-towners, that's what. And he's got a point. So they, you know, they, they leave. And we see Zane still suffering with his, you know, with his hearing and his headache. And it's going to start to make Mohinder kind of suspicious. And we'll see what happens with those two. But not next week, as Rachel said. We're taking a break from these two for a little bit. But if you listen to our bonus episode, we're going to get right into what happens after this. So tune into that. Did you have any thoughts about Siler and Mohinder in Uh, Montana? The other bonus episode where we talk about the... The scene in detail was the Can Styler Teleport <laughs> bonus mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, we won't go back into that argument now, but I just wanted to point out that was the bonus episode we talked about. It. Yep. That's the one. That's what it's called. Yeah. It's not called Paying the Future, but yeah. No. I don't have anything else to say here. We will save it for the Painting the Future. <laughs> just, yeah, I was like, <laughs> this is dumb bitch the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
this fucking guy. That was like my notes pretty much. Was like this fucking guy. He's just so like arrogant. He just thinks nothing can touch him. He severely underestimates Mohinder. He does that as well because I I think Mohinder is far more capable of dealing with this than Chandra ended up being, unfortunately. Yes. So, so he just severely underestimates him. Because mm-hmm. nobody's smarter or better than him. No. No. <laughs> this fucking guy. That's what I, uh, I know, right? All my notes, I'm just cursing at him the whole time. I'm like, yeah, this dumb asshole. Yeah, I was watching yeah. the episode being like, this fucking guy. Okay. <laughs> Favorite character on the show. Also a dumb asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so stay tuned for a lot more about those two and where they're going to end up. But for right now, does anyone remember where Peter mentioned that maybe a good place to hide out would be like the Nevada desert if you're nuclear? Yeah, Um, I remember that. Yeah. um, I I feel like there's another uh, exploding man who's hanging out there right now, though. There is. What's what's Ted up to? Ted is putzing around in the Nevada desert. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's in his little shack, like we've seen him like a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about this initial scene is it takes place before the previously. It's a cold open. We've never had that before. And I feel like there, there's a reason, which I'll get into in a moment. So Ted is sitting in the shack and suddenly his computer that is in front of him, he gets an instant message that says, hi, Ted, from a person named Wireless. And Ted's like, uh, I'm not online. <laughs> <laughs> and so wireless lets herself in she's like saying she's here and she comes into the shack and we meet hannah gittleman now hannah is the main character from the heroes arg heroes 360 which is their whole dual screen experience that nbc was doing uh if you remember in the past episode we were talking about uh the siler comic well the five hiatus comics were all about hannah so you, you would sign up for, like, emails from her, and she would email you, like, links in order to get into different places on in the Primatech website. And mm-hmm. uh, I had thought that I had deleted all those, or I thought I had a different email I was using at the time, but I looked it up, and I actually have the email still in my email. <laughs> that's so that's so good. Fun. And I won't get into the whole thing of the ARG, but Hannah, she is similar to Micah, but she is basically, like, the internet by herself. That's why she's wireless. She mm-hmm. can read emails, she can get into websites, she is the internet. <laughs> and uh, she shows Ted a schematic of a syringe gun and says, this is what the company is using, and they got me too, and she shows that she also has the little double mark scar, which came from this gun. She says that she can find him, and she wants Ted to nuke them. She wants the company gone. So that is our little introduction to Hannah, and then we got get that previously on Hero. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah a cold open which i feel like they did the cold open because it was part of the arg oh had to have been yeah and they were like building it up and she's really like the first character we've had on the series that was like originated from the comics and is now on the screen so I'll take a side step away from ted and see what matt parkman's up to and he is hiding the diamonds that he got in his sock drawer and janice is all like i'm gonna put laundry away <laughs> And uh, she ends up finding a ring in there, which apparently was part of the diamonds. Mm-hmm. And Matt plays it off like, oh, I got it for you. Here you go. And it doesn't quite fit, but, you know, <laughs> she's pregnant, so she's bloated, whatever. After a little argument, Janice is like, you know, I'm on edge because you, we got a phone call from a man named Mohinder Suresh. 
<laughs> and it scared her because he was talking about how he knew that there was something going on with Matt, that he had some sort of ability. So Janice was one of those people that he probably called in the other episode and hung up on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, uh, he, he was one of the several phone calls he made, yeah. <laughs> yep. And so she's freaking out because, like, how did he find you? And he knows what you can do. And we, of course, learned from, from Dale that Matt likely was part of the Human Genome Project. He probably donated blood or had blood drawn mm-hmm. and checked the box on his form, whatever. Yeah, like, probably during, like, a physical, because he's a cop. Exactly, exactly. While they're in distress, we go back to Ted, who is at his wife's grave. <laughs> and he's talking to her, saying, you know, he misses her, and he leaves flowers there. But he's there to say goodbye, because he says that she won't like what he's about to do. And we get to see all the grass and the flowers wilt around <laughs> him. Because he's about to get up to some shit. He's a dangerous man. <laughs> he's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... So Janice decided to take that ring and get it resized. And uh, Matt had claimed it was like on sale or whatever, but the jeweler told her it was worth $40,000. And the jeweler also accused her of stealing it. Which, if I remember correctly, didn't Janice have a pretty good job? It it was established, I thought, because that was part of like Matt's problem. Where he couldn't get promoted to detective and she got a promotion. Isn't she like a lawyer? Yeah, she's like a lawyer. So why is she getting accused of stealing... A $40,000 diamond ring. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I, you know, I thought we established this in one of the episodes that she had a pretty good job. Yeah, but... because later on, when she goes back to work and stuff, like, I think she's a lawyer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's a lawyer. Uh, this show's handling of Janice. <laughs> That's the, yeah, okay. Mm. So, uh, Matt shows her the rest of the diamonds, and he explains that they were Malskis, the guy he was sent to hire... And he can't give him back because he's dead. And um, that results in a huge argument between the two of them. And, you know, for a guy who can read other people's thoughts, you should spend some time with your own map. Sick and, burn. And, like, <laughs> stealing and lying, you're better than this. And Matt's like, okay, I'm going to take him back. And she's like, "You call, I want you to call that freaking office right now before you go in. I want to hear you call him. And before he calls them, the phone rings instead. Matt answers. We don't get to hear who's talking with him on the other end, but you can probably guess. And uh, he asks where they are and then leaves. Of course, avoiding the argument again, Matt. Yep. We follow Matt to a graveyard where he meets with Ted. And uh, (laughs) Hannah comes out from behind a tombstone, almost gets shot for her troubles. So she has the pneumatic needle and she explains that this is how that they're tracking them. That is the, uh, what the little marks on their neck are about is that it, inter- it injects them with a radioactive isotope. She says that a shipment of the needles for this gun went to Primatech Paper in Texas to a man named Bennett. And Matt's like, I've already been down this path. There's nothing there. And she's like, trust mm. me, I know something is there. And we're going to go down there and make them fix us. Because they believe that the company is the reason they have these abilities. Yes. So we're going to go down there and they're going to fix us. And we need you to come with us, Matt, so that you can get inside of his head so he cannot lie to us. And we see Matt thinking about it, and that's about where we leave them off. There's going to be another road trip (laughs) (laughs) with uh, Matt, Ted, and Hannah going on down to Texas. Isn't season one just like a series of road trips until everybody ends up in New York at this point? Pretty much, pretty much. We don't all have, like, the Petrelli private jet, so. (laughs) Yeah. Sadly, no. Do you have anything to add to Matt and Ted? Just in my usual way, uh, as to as to who plays Hana, 
Mm, yes. Another great guest star. I'm going to butcher her name. I'm scared to say it, but here we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Hannah Gittleman is played by Estana Kacik, mm-hmm. who most people will recognize as the co-star of Castle with Nathan Fillion. Yes, indeed. She's on another show now, too, but yeah, that's who most like so-called nerdy people will probably know her from. So, yep. But she was on this first. That she was. She was on here yeah. first. Yep. And uh, she shows up at least once more. A couple times, but then she is, uh, she's pretty much comic land. <laughs> comic and mm-hmm. ARG land. Comic and ARG land, yeah. We do hear a lot of from wireless in the future, so. Yeah, just, just a fun little note about another cool guest star on the show. So, Matt and Ted are headed to Texas. Uh, Keisha, why don't you fill us in what's going on in Texas? In our usual tradition of telling this story out of order <laughs> to suit our, <laughs> our character-focused needs, um, the stuff in Texas actually dives in from the cliffhanger with Sandra in a really bad way in terms of her brain and her body. Um, Claire freaking out because... Sandra claims to not know Muggles, not to know her. The kitchen's a mess, if you recall. Uh, so she she runs and she tries to get Lyle and needs like mom needs help. Mom's you know she's not doing well. We need to go down there, and she tries to show him, and she's and she's fine. She's like quit bugging your brother, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Seems fine. Seeming being the operative word. Her memory lapses go in and out. And that's like, oh, that's that's brutal. So, oh, man. So they have, uh, sorry, this this whole storyline, it, it's, it's hard to watch now. Like, mm-hmm. just thinking about the level of, dare I say, abuse that Sandra has to go through. But it's not like there was a better option considering the options that Bennett had at mm-hmm. his disposal. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a tricky situation. Um, because later on, uh, Claire and Sandra are talking, and she goes, hey, what if it's not something that's causing your headaches? Because, you know, she went to a neurologist, and Sandra, you know, is concerned, but she doesn't want to freak Claire out. So she's like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. We're going to figure this out. It's going to be okay. But Claire's like, what if it's not something that's causing it, but someone who's causing these headaches and your memory loss? And Sandra's like, oh, that's, you know, that, that's not a thing. This, I, I know you're scared. We're going to get through this. Your dad's in charge of talking to the doctors. And Claire immediately is just like, well, maybe you shouldn't trust dad. And I, I just like how, how Claire is just full on at this point in the show in her anti-Bennett campaign. <laughs> like, she, she's just not... She's not ready to make nice with her dad right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you know, they're having this, this, you know, little moment together and it's nice because Sandra doesn't want to freak her daughter out, but then she collapses in the kitchen when, when she's like pouring milk and, uh, it's, oh, it's so brutal and she freaks out and she has to call, she has to call her dad and she's like, you need to get home right now and we'll see what he was doing on his business trip in the next segment. But right now we swap over to Sandra in the hospital. They've got her stabilized. 
the doctor comes out and tells Claire that she has a subdural hemorrhage. It's a bruise on her brain in the area that controls memory. So basically, the Haitian did his thing too much, and now her brain is damaged. Ugh. That's so... Yeah, right? It's so dark. Like, I liked that the show went there because it, there should be consequences to all these actions, and I respect that. But that's so fucking dark. She's such... The definition of an innocent bystander in all this. She doesn't know about this world, and she didn't ask to be involved in it or to have an, a, an adopted daughter that is going to be forced to be because of who she is and what she can do. And so you just really feel bad for Sandra throughout. Uh, the doctor asks Claire if, you know, if there's any, like, domestic violence kind of thing going on at home. She says no. And the doctor is like, well, you can tell me, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep things in the strictest confidence. It's, you know, I'm the person you can talk to. And so she tries it. She's like, so there's a man who works for my dad. He can make you forget things by touching you. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Obviously, the doctor doesn't believe her, which it, it's funny because we, we see with the doctor and then like earlier on with like Dale Smither, we get a real big dose of the skepticism this episode because we have a lot of side characters that are not you know, that don't have powers or anything. And that's important because I feel like it really sort of fills in, yeah, nobody's going to believe this. It, it really sort of leads up to a conversation two characters have later, too, about whether or not people should know about this. But Doctor doesn't seem to believe her, and, you know, she, she leaves Claire. And later on, Mr. Bennett arrives as quickly as he can into the hospital from his business trip. And she immediately confronts him about his lies, mostly. And he winds up admitting to her that Siler came to their house and he found Sandra instead when he was looking for Claire. And he made Sandra forget because she doesn't need to know that people like him exist and that, you know, the world is like how it is. And he only wanted to protect his family. And he promises he'll never do it again. He tries to get a hug. And Claire's like, nope. And I always liked that reaction. I always thought it was great that Claire just wasn't like, okay. She's really cementing her independence uh, in this part of the story. And she's like, you don't get to just say you're sorry and make everything go away. Which, cookie for you, Claire. That's true. You don't. And so, real awkwardness in the, in the Bennett family right now. And so after the hospital visit, they, they get to bring her home. They get to bring Sandra home. And everyone's, like, a little shaken up. But, you know, they're going to get through this. And there's tension between Mr. Bennett and Claire still. And, you know, there's this, like, a little line about, like, I don't even know if I'll remember this tomorrow. You know, just, like, a little line like that. And then, oh, no, they don't get to deal with their family drama because they've got a whole mess of problems now. When... Ted walks out and Matt's there too. That's where they that's where they ended up. They're going to confront Mr. Bennett in his home so that they can get their answers. And they're like, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of questions. Well, we all do. And it's very like now it's all gonna, you know, the chickens have come home to roost and it's exciting cuz you know, maybe we as the audience are going to get more answers about the company, who they are, what they do if they give them powers, if they don't. But we'll deal with that next week. Did you have anything to add? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, man, yeah, this whole part, though, with, like, Claire and Sandra, it's just like, oof. It's so hard to watch. It always is. Oh. 
Sandra's so sweet. She doesn't, yeah. It's, it's funny. It's exactly what Bennett says. You know, she's so innocent. She's so, you know, such a light in the world, basically. She doesn't need to have this happen. But it's like, no, dude, by making these actions, you're, you're harming her as much as, you know, knowing about something like the Siler confrontation. Especially now that it's clear that it is harming her. And also, it's not your choice to make, bud. No. You don't get to take away her agency like that. We get a little character motivation for him, like, a few seasons from now. Oh, yeah. About why he does what he, do- what he does with Sandra in particular. Oh, but... big time. No. Yeah. So that's like... the thing, is it's like, we, we know he works for dangerous people, and we're going to get a much bigger sense of that soon. We're going to see more people at the company. But, ah, oh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a rough situation. <laughs> and, it's, like, I'm sure... Yeah. The Haitian, when he does his thing, only needs to do it once to someone. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's probably one of the few people he's ever had to do it to multiple times. Exactly. So he's never really had to witness this before, that if that if he does it a lot, there's going to be problems. So it's unfortunate that Sandra had to be the guinea pig in that. Yes. But, yeah. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to get some answers, though. We really are. And that's exciting. Next week. Next week? That's, yeah. That's what the episode is about next week. Yeah. It's about this whole scenario happening at the Bennett house. This whole thing and some, uh, some answers to questions about Mr. Bennett too. So Mm -hmm. exciting. Um, but not his first name yet. Not his first name yet, which we're going (laughs) to pretend we're going to keep pretending we don't know, even though I've said it twice. Um, uh, so I mentioned that Mr. Bennett was on a business trip. He makes, you know, he's, he's got a lot of stuff going on in places other than Texas. Why don't you tell us about his comings and goings outside of his family issues, Rachel? Yes, well, he's got a job to do. And he's in New York for his job. And he is at Isaac's Loft. Everyone's in Isaac's Loft. Woo. <laughs> so he and the Haitian are both there. And the, uh, Isaac is explaining about the paintings and how he knows that Peter is going to be the one responsible for the bomb. And how he's been painting just blank scenes until he realized that, oh, Peter's invisible. And he points to a painting on the DeVoe rooftop where you can see footprints with no one there. And uh, HRG recognizes the DeVoe building rooftop without being prompted. So he's been there before. (laughs) And uh, he's like, don't worry about Peter, we'll find him. And then, but just in case... He gives Isaac a gun, one of the company distinctive guns. And this is in case Peter comes here first. And Isaac's like, what do you expect me to do with this? And he turns back and looks at him, save the world. So can, can I, can I put in here with the save the world thing? Yes. Isn't it funny how with something like this, where someone like Bennett just gives him a gun and is like, you know what you got to do if Peter shows up, right? Cause he's going to explode. Um, I like how saving the world has become increasingly darker uh, throughout the series. Like, Mm -hmm. the realization, like, at first Save the World, it was, like, saving someone, right? So, like, saving Claire. But now when people say it, they talk about, like, stopping Peter, stopping Siler. Like, it means someone's going to have to die. And that's that's a reality that that some characters really are going to have to struggle with. Uh, at the end of the season, especially that this isn't this isn't a comic book, you know they're not going to 
somehow magically stop the bad guy or the thing and no one no real person is going to die no someone's got to go down in theory for the world to be okay kill the peter save the world (laughs) well yeah or like you know siler or or anything like that like you're not going to be able to just throw him into some you know super villain facility per se like they think you know uh you know what I mean? It's like it's like you're you struggling with you know what it's going to mean, and yeah, you're someone's going to die, and and these people have been introduced as real people first, and uh, people with ability second. Someone's going to have to kill someone potentially to save the world, and they're very upfront about that in a scene like this where he gives them the gun. HRG is a character that also seems to be like what his go-to is. Yeah, like well, we'll just kill him. You know. He definitely asks questions later. <laughs> yes, yeah, shoot first, ask questions later. As we saw when, like, uh, he busted into his own home when Siler was there, bam, bam, like, immediately. It's the only way to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knows what's up. He's ready for it. He's ready for yeah. it. And he hopes that Isaac is ready for it. So, Yeah, exactly. So we leave them, and we go to the DeVoe rooftop with Peter and Claude, and they are full-blown training right now. And training is, Claude is beating the shit out of Peter with a stick. <laughs> I love it. And he's like, come on, do something to stop me from beating the shit out of you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Peter's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And he's like, it's like, do something, you know, fly away, do something. And uh, here lies Peter Petrella. He tried and he just keeps beating him. And he's like, come on, do something unexpected. And then Peter stops the stick with telekinesis. And snaps the stick in half with it. And Claude's like, whoa, where did you pick up that party trick? Which one of your friends can do that? And he's like, I don't know. Wait a minute. Back in Texas, that guy that was trying to kill Claire, like, he threw lockers at me. Like, locker doors. Must have been from him. Yeah, he did. So, Peter channeled Siler to stop the stick. And I, I can make an argument that him... Getting into Siler's head or feeling him is going to cause some more problems later, but we'll get to that then. Mm -hmm. So Claude's like, well, hmm, that's great. Grabs a new stick and continues beating him. (laughs) (laughs) Best teacher ever. I mean, like, well, we pulled one out because, like, he was excited. Like, you know, that all happened all the way then in Texas. And here you are in the now using telekinesis. So that is an improvement. So we go back to Isaac and Simone has come over again. And she's like, have you found Peter yet? And he's like, Peter's left New York, you know? Um, Yeah, he's gone. And Simone immediately calls him on his bullshit. She's like, (laughs) I've known you long enough. This is the same face that you would make when you lied about using, about doing drugs. And she tries to give him her key again. And he tells her again to keep the key. And he's like, I'd do anything for you, Simone. Just, you know, he's here. He's in New York somewhere. And she's like, if you're going to do something for me, find Peter. And she leaves again. So we go back to Peter on the roof with Claude. And Claude is tending to his pigeons. And Peter's like, what is the deal with the pigeons? And we don't get a straight answer, honestly, either. (laughs) Nope. He goes in about how Darwin kept pigeons and would breed them for maximum potential. And, well, Peter is pretty much what Darwin was trying to do. And we get to see a shot of them talking about pigeons. But um, with thermal vision. And we see that it's... HRG in the Haitian with tasers and he fires one off and hits Claude and Peter's like whoa and they fire one at Peter but Peter's able to stop the taser with his mind he decides to act so he picks Claude up 
chucks him off the building and jumps off after him. <laughs> and guess what Peter does? He flies. Yay! He flies Claude in his arm and gets them the hell out of there. That is when HRG gets a call from his daughter saying, Mom's collapsed. I had to call 911. So that's when HRG's like, I have to go. And the Haitian kind of gives him a look like, Really? Now? You have to go now? <laughs> <laughs> so Peter takes Claude back to his apartment. I think it's Peter's apartment. Uh, yeah. And uh, Claude is like, you knew they were after you. And he like punches Peter and he's like, you should have told me they were after you. These are the guys I've been running from. And uh, he is just very upset with Peter. And Peter's like, no, no, I didn't know they were after me. I don't even know who they are. What do you mean? What's going on? And he's like, well, then it must have been the painter. The painter knew we were on that roof. And he told him. He told him that he's working with him. And Claude shows him the scar on his neck. He also has got the two-pronged scar. Claude's like, I can't anymore. I have to leave. I've been running from them for years. I can't stop now. And Peter's like, if you stop, if we, if you leave, I'm going to explode. <laughs> and uh, Claude just looks at him and says, well, I guess you go boom. <laughs> <laughs> and vanishes and walks out the door. So Peter has now lost his mentor, his trainer, his Yoda. Gone. <laughs> so we go to Simone in Nathan's office and she's asking him if he knows where Peter is. And he's like, last time I saw my brother, he flew out of a window <laughs> to escape me. If you remember, he didn't fly out that window, but it sure looked like he did. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and Simone is concerned, especially because she knows that Peter is going to explode. And she's like, we have to take this public and tell people about Peter's condition. Tell them all about like what you guys can do. And Nathan's like, no, 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 no they knew about it they would drop a collective brick <laughs> and she's like you can't know how people would react and he's like of course they know how people would react if it were me i would round us all up and stick us up in a lab in the middle of the ocean <laughs> <laughs> listen to uh, our first yep. painting the future episode about nathan petrelli um, yep. this, is, and, this um, is the thing yeah yes ma'am yes ma'am nathan's always been this way anyway <laughs> And she argues with him a bit. And she's like, where Peter saw hope, you see disaster. So I guess I'm going to go vote for the other guy. She turns to leave and he tells her to not take this public. It's like, Simone, please don't make this a public thing. And she leaves his office. We go back to Isaac's loft where he is frantically painting. And we see that he has painted a picture of Peter in the loft looking pissed. <laughs> and he turns around and guess who's there? Peter in the loft looking pissed. And he's like, why did you do it, Isaac? You scared my only chance of hope away. And that was Claude. And he, he's gone now because he had to, like, call the company. Mm -hmm. And was it jealousy? Because he sees the, the painting he did of himself and Simone. Did you, you know, send them after you because you were jealous of Simone? And, 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 and Peter is a real asshole here. Yeah. He dials it up to a 10. Like, he is so upset about him, about losing Claude. And... I have to wonder if it's not because he's channeled Siler. There's a very valid point in that as a theory. Because he's done uh, telekinesis a couple times in the episode. And I believe he does it a little bit in this one as well. Because he does go invisible on him. Mm -hmm. Because Isaac holds up the gun and it's pretty much like, with one bullet I can be the hero. And Peter starts walking around the room visible. And he's taunting Isaac the whole time. You're not a hero. You're a junkie. She left because of you, not me. And then Isaac hears a noise behind him, spins around, fires two shots. And it wasn't Peter. It was Simone who decided to let herself into the loft with the key and 
Peter becomes visible, holding Simone as she falls to the floor. And she dies, key in hand. Yep. And that is our to-be-continued of the episode. Oh, boy. That was a pretty major death at the time. An unexpected one as well. Well, she was in the main cast. Yes. I was going to say the first one, like, Eden died, but there was, like, a whole other thing surrounding... Yeah. Her stuff at the time where I remember it wasn't quite as shocking, but like, yeah, Simone mm-hmm. was very shocking at the time. Yeah, I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, damn. It's like, holy shit. So yeah, Simone gets fridged. <laughs> Should we uh, explain what fridging is? Yes, please do, please do. Okay. So, um, the concept of fridging, you may or may not know what it is, but I'm going to go ahead and explain it anyway because it really is relevant right now. It is the idea wherein a female character, often, is either kidnapped, harmed, or straight up killed in order to spur an often male character into action uh, to be the source of their so-called man pain and to get them to act. Uh, So in this instance, it would be Simone being in the middle of Peter and Isaac and then dying. And then that's going to spur both of those characters on with their further actions. I believe Gail Simone was the person who came up with it as a phrase. It it referred to a character in a green lantern comic, Uh, a girlfriend, I think of the character who was the green lantern at the time, uh, who was literally found stuffed dead into a refrigerator. That's where it comes from. Mm hmm. And it happens all the time in media. And this is a perfect example of it. Yep. So why not use a comic book term for a comic book show? <laughs> yeah. Life might not be a comic book, but this show fucking is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you have anything else Bye. to add about all of our shenanigans in this part of the episode? God, I don't even know if it's anything to add. I just need to really uh, tag along with you saying, Peter's a real asshole to Isaac at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten how much... How how very, very just cruel he was before Simone gets shot. It's like, that's not very do-no-harm-of-you, nurse boy. <laughs> like, We've never seen him like this yet, have we? No, no, this is our first glimpse of what Peter... And I've said this in other episodes, this is what Peter could have been. Like, if his life made some different turns, he made some different choices, or he grew up differently... This is exactly the kind of person he could have become. The line between him and someone like Siler is not that it's it's not that far. And I'd even argue it's amplified because number one, he flew, so he's got Nathan asshole there. The <laughs> Siler stuff, and he's got the Claude stuff because he's also gone invisible. Yep. So he's Claude's channeling like thing. three different assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's an asshole cocktail. That's what did it. Whew, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, so... Because he even does the Siler voice affectation. <sighs> he does. the Again, go into our <laughs> our bonus episode. <laughs> Hear us talk about that stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, he does the weird Siler voice thing. Yep. I never thought about it before, like you put it. I was like, no, you're right. The way his power works is true empathy. So he feels like the people. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. That could have been why he was so not his usual self. Other than the fact that, you know, he was very angry about having Claude ripped away from him right when he was getting somewhere. So 
Yeah, he was angry, but at the same time, yeah, it's just like he's been emotionally amplified, but with three different assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor Pete. I, and also, I just, I really genuinely love that, that uh, angry Peter painting. That's one of my favorite paintings from the show. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It has yes, like a real is. like manga feel to it. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all in black and white and turns around. Oh, it's Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like black and white, and then like I don't know how to describe it because I'm not an art boy, but just like the lines that they use and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's our that's our cliffhanger. Yeah, that was the episode. But we're not going to deal with anything other than the invasion of the Bennett house next week. Yes, we're going to be finding a lot more about the face of evil, Mister Bennett. oh those ads yeah so it's it's exciting it's gonna be the first time that the show takes a break and focuses entirely on one storyline i believe they only do it one other time later on in the series as well i believe you are correct madam so it's just take a nice little sidetrack and get to know more about mr bennett fans used to argue that they should have done more throughout the show but eh. I, i you know Depends on whether or not the character warrants it. Yeah, depends on the situation. I don't think everybody could have had their own thing that would have been interesting. Not everyone has, like, a mysterious past. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He doesn't even have a first name. Like, yeah. yeah. Because through uh, Uh, episodes, like, six months months ago or whatever, mm -hmm. we find out, like, pretty much everything we need to know about most characters. Rewatching this episode, I really got the sense of how much, uh, I don't know, how much brickwork they were laying down for Company Man. Mm-hmm. Like, not just the stuff with, you know, obviously the dream team coming together and going to Texas, but, like, also just all the, like, Claude stuff, and even in the episodes before, like, it's really all leading to this. It's all well done in terms of moving the story where it needs to go. Yes. Like, it felt appropriate to spend that hour in that house and with those people. Mm-hmm. And it, it left us the other characters kind of with cliffhangers that you weren't worried about them, like, in a way. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. We weren't worried about leaving them for a week. Yeah, exactly. Like, Simone being dead and, like, Hero leaving on his own. We saw that, yep. if we go back to the episode before, uh, Jessica has a target in Nathan. We saw Nathan briefly yep. in this episode. Totally forgot that Jessica was a thing this episode. Yeah, I she's not admit. in this episode. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> nope. So yeah, it's it's a good as uh, as good of a place as any to break form. We will talk about that all all the more next week. I, I think that pretty much covers everything. I think so. You'll uh, tune into uh, Painting the Future. Mm-hmm. Where we will talk about the mylar of it all. Oh boy, yeah, <laughs> and uh, those, those two fun, fun boys. Yes, and tune into Homecon. Homecon. If you are listening to this as it happens, and if you haven't, then maybe you'll watch the VOD. Yeah, I think it'll be a good, a good panel. That's a good group. Yes, I'm curious to see how it's all done, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. We'll talk about it all about the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're. I mean, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. I'm sure. So, yeah. uh, so, shall we get into the socials? Oh, go ahead. Tell us our socials, uh, Keisha. Okay. So you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Eclipse Podcast on Twitter. If you want to follow us personally, uh, Rachel is at that burb there, burb with a B, like Bennett. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Lady underscore Snark S N A R K. 
what, what are you doing? Animal Crossing stuff still? <laughs> yeah, I'm posting uh, Animal Crossing designs. Cool. Um, I'm still watching Billions, and <laughs> it's pretty great. I don't think I'm talking about it too much, though, but yeah. So, look at that. Also, you can drag either of us into a Heroes conversation anytime you want. That's, that's pretty much canon. Uh, if you want to give us an email, you can get a hold of us at eclipsepod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to pop into our Discord, we will leave the link to it in our show notes. So, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on Eclipsed. Once upon a time in Texas, there was a man who worked at a paper company. And this is his story. Tune in.